All right, welcome to another installment of the Great Heavy Music Podcast. We have a bonus episode today with the awesome Sean McVeigh of King Buffalo and the usual co-host that nobody's really excited to hear from, Phil Collins. Hey, Mr. McVeigh, how about you say hello to your adoring fans out there? I think they got something for you here. Uh, thanks. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to, <laughs> glad to have you on, man. Glad to have you on. You are the uh, guitarist and vocalist of King Buffalo. Can you tell us where the name came from? Oh, yeah. Um, well, we, we formed pretty quickly. Uh, we uh, Rochester is a small city, which is where we're all from. And um, Scott, our drummer, was in another band, and their band had some internal conflicts happen, and they were no longer going to be a band, but they had just made a record and uh, had a bunch of tour dates booked for it. So Scott reached out to me and Dan. Me and Dan were in a separate band, a similar genre. Um and our band was kind of also fizzling out and Scott asked if we could fill in to go do some tour dates for them. And, uh, when we got together, we started jamming and, uh, ended up really just writing and we were like, well, why don't we be a band? And then we came up with 50 names on a wall and each took turns crossing stuff off until we got to like the final couple. And King Buffalo was the one that survived. It was the one that we all hated the least. And, uh, within that, you know, within a month or so of that, uh, that first phone call from Scott, um, we were, we were, had a demo done and we were on tour. Nice, man. Was that kind of unexpected? I mean, it seems like it's pretty common in the industry where you have a band that fizzles and then you got to find the right vibe and you fail and start and fail and start. It seems like that's a pretty common theme. Was this kind of surprising that it took off so fluidly and quickly for you guys? Um, I mean a little bit, but we had all also been doing that same sort of thing that, band fizzle new band band fizzles you know that sort of thing we've all been doing it for years um i was like i said i was in a band with dan for about three years before king buffalo before that i had a different band you know like we had all been we all run the gamuts of shitty bands <laughs> you know um and we'd all like i said the scene's small enough we all knew each other uh dan and scott actually went to high school together um so they knew each other a little bit and uh it just kind of vibed and worked and I was uh, oh sorry, I was curious. What other band name were you close to being, or to picking? Uh, I've said this before, but Martha Dump Truck was one of the final, final names in the list, and it's just because everyone like we we'd laugh at it, and everyone thought, oh, oh well, Dan will cross that off, you know, or Scott will cross that off. I don't want to waste one of my vetoes on Martha Dump Truck because someone else is going to cross it off. Right, and right. I made it to the final three, and we're like. Ooh, are we gonna go? <laughs> are we gonna do this? This is, this is this is possibly very real. Like we could end up being Martha Dump Truck. I mean, I don't know if you guys have been in bands before, but trying to name a band is always the freaking worst, man. Um, and it just comes down to just realize not everyone's gonna be happy. Just pick the name that everyone hates the least. Right. I was the drummer in a band called Couple More Years. And it just drove me crazy that we couldn't put A in front of it. And I just got vetoed out. And it's like stupid shit like that where I'm like, come on, guys, can it be a couple more years? No, it's a couple more years. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, Sean, seeing as I've never heard of King Buffalo, it seems to me that the King Buffalo has been the largest, uh, excuse me, seeming as I've never heard of the other bands you were in and the other kind of bands that fizzled out. But King Buffalo is going strong and you guys are continuing to record and you have this awesome quarantine sessions you guys put out during COVID, which anybody listening needs to go check out on YouTube. Those are amazing. Um, it, is this the most successful and like kind of the most optimism you have in your musical career? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um yeah, none of my other projects really got even close to 
getting this far. Um, yeah. Is that, is that as exciting as it seems like it would be? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like we, we just think of it as like, we want to, we want to, we want to make music that feels good and excites us and make records that we're proud of and, and get to play shows and get to tour. Um, and so we just kind of have always just kind of kept pushing forward with that goal in mind. Um, you know, we don't have any, we don't really have any like major aspirations outside of that. We just want to be able to keep doing it. And, you know, if we can keep growing and keep, keep building, that's great. Um, but first and foremost, we just want to be able to make stuff that we're excited about and get to get to tour around and, and do it. How exciting was it to kind of put out that quarantine session video series during the COVID pandemic? Because that was an excellent idea, man. I don't know whose that idea was, but that stuff came off awesome. Yeah, I mean, it it was a pretty easy decision for us. And we did it. So it, it might be a little deceiving because we, we released them all spread out. But we actually filmed that all in one in one night. Um, and we did it pretty early, like basically as soon as we got word that most likely tour wasn't going to happen. Um, we were like, well, we got to figure out something to do and we have that space, but the bandwidth, the internet situation in there is terrible. So we couldn't do live streams, but we were like, well, you know, Rochester was still relatively, um, the numbers were still relatively low. So we were able to still get together and meet up and we're like, let's, let's just film these four, four videos. We're going to do it all in one night and then we'll release them after, um, you know, uh, so it, it was a pretty easy decision. I know a lot of bands got to do live stream stuff, but like I said, we didn't have the the infrastructure behind us to really be able to pull that off in a way that we thought would have been any good, you know. So we 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 did the film ahead of time thing, and it worked out great. Well, it'll be an easy segue for me to ask you about your latest current album, even though you have one coming out really soon here that I want you to tell us about in a moment. But the album that came across my lap first was Dead Star, which was your EP that you guys put out in 2020, I want to say very early 2020, I think. Um, and the first of your four quarantine session videos was Dead Star 1 and 2, and I think maybe even a little bit of uh, Echo of a Warning Star or Ecliptic. And uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about the recording for the EP because Dead Star made it onto my top five of 2020, even though it was an EP, I just really can't get over how much I love this album. And it's not to say that it slights your other albums. I think your whole discography is really great. But I just had a different vibe about this album in particular that just sat with me uh, differently. So can you talk to us a little bit about Dead Star generally and specifically the first track? Uh, yeah. Um, so the first track was kind of where... I mean, that was obviously the first track's like 20 minutes long. So it's it's kind of the bulk of the, bulk of the record. Um but we had, you know, we, we were kind of itching to come out with something new. Um, and man, and it's so funny to think about that. It's, you know, it's so long ago at this point. But we wanted to, we wanted to come out with something new. And we knew we were going to be going on tour that, that spring of 2020. We're like, well, let's have something. You know, we want to have something that we, can, that we can put out beforehand and we can push on tour. We, don't, we didn't want to have to play all the same old songs we always were playing. We wanted to play some new stuff. So we started working on stuff and I know for me, I was kind of feeling a little bit in a rut as far as like tonalities, you know, uh, playing style, like kind of felt like I started to keep doing the same, doing the same things. So I started to like put some new rules on myself for it. And I came up with an alternate tuning um, where 
we always tune a whole step down. A lot of our stuff's in drop C. A lot of it's in D standard. Um, and I stayed that whole step down, but then I just brought the G string up so that I could do some more open style chords. And I was like, well, I'm going to write this whole, this whole record's going to be in that tuning. That's, that's, that's my rule for this record. And uh, Red Star was kind of the first jam that we did. Red Star part one, we just kind of jammed on it a lot. And then really outside of that, the rest of the record was kind of written piecemeal with like different ideas that I, I had at home and brought to the band and then we'd work on together. But um, it was a little different than the rest of our discography, which was all written by jamming together. Um, you know, like Longing to Be the Mountain, the record right before that was everything was written together. Um, but uh, yeah, Dead Star was a little bit of a departure from the usual format, which was kind of exciting for us, like to try try some new processes to, to see how it would turn out. And the, the song Ecliptic has a bit of a like an 80s synth vibe. I mean, I, I've listened to I went back through your discography a little bit to try to see how different Dead Star is from other, you know, other things that you've done. And what what made you choose that uh, that particular um, approach to a song? Because I don't feel like that's reflected terrib- like very often in your earlier stuff. Like, it just seems like he really did try something new with Dead Star. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of the thing was, you know, we we treat we had this idea ahead of time that it was going to be an ep and with eps we tend to think like i don't know let's get weird like let's let's see what the hell happens you know it's not like a full-length record if people don't like it whatever it's a 20-minute ep no big deal um dead star ended up snowballing into being a 37 minutes and you know pretty much a full length but we wanted to keep that same sort of mindset throughout the whole thing and as it was coming together um what is it goes red star one and two then echo of a waning star ecliptic and then Eda karine it it look ecliptic was the last addition to the record um in the sequencing i was listening i was like i don't know it feels like it's missing something between echo and Eda karine i was like i don't know it's, it doesn't feel like it's getting there right um so i i messaged the guys i was like i think i have an idea i think i have an idea for something that would be really cool and I actually, I put Ecliptic, the whole thing together in, in a day um, at wow. home by myself. And I sent it to the guys and what do you think of this? And they were like, I think it works great. It's a, like a great transition. And, um, you know, we're all big fans of John Carpenter and, uh, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So totally. uh, it, it sort of, it fit well and it flowed well. And then they were like, I was like, you guys sure you don't mind me putting this on the record? And they're like, no, it's cool. Do it. Sweet, man. Nice. And uh, it seems like everybody's pretty open with, you know, to everyone else's ideas, you know? pretty collaborative yeah totally i mean you know um why play with the group with other people if if you're just gonna you know tell everyone what to do the whole time right when you say that dead star snowballed into something bigger what has it become for you is it the most prominent record you have or is it i mean what what led you to say that oh it's just just the time of it really like that like it, it went from you know like it's hard to really count it as an EP at this point. We just did because we didn't, you know, we didn't do the marketing push you would normally do for a full length and we took some weird swings on it. And um, yeah, so that's, we, we just, well, it started as an EP. It, we're gonna still consider it an EP, even though it's 37 minutes, um, which by most standards is, that's pretty much a full length. Yeah, well, I, I always tell Phil when we're doing an album review episode, I think I can judge 
how great an album is by the fact or the fact that I don't want to hit play again and repeat it. And with this one, with Dead Star, I just wanted to listen to it again because I was just drawn into it. It was short enough that I wanted to hear everything a second time right after it. I wasn't in any way tired of it. I was like, wow, that's a really cool sound across the board. And um, I'm curious, is this upcoming release that you have coming out here just in a couple days, is it going to be something similar with that tuning change? Is it something different yet again? Where are you going with this new one? Um, I think it's different. Uh, it definitely still sounds like us, and it has some definite definite dead star vibes to it but i think it's a lot different it's not i didn't do the alternate tuning for the whole record i um uh it's back to our sort of standard tunings um there's some keys that we didn't usually play in before that a couple with a couple of the songs but yeah it's i i think it still sounds a lot like us but i think it's kind of our most uh ambitious full length yet and it and um it's a lot more uh there's a lot more like intent to it i guess there's, a, there's it's more aggressive it's more up front it's more on the nose than some of our previous work yeah that's i think habitation kind of reflects that that almost it's there's such a free-flowing vibe in some and most of your work and that song really sounds like i don't know you know what the uh, intention is a great way to phrase that yeah it's it's like a a little more aggressive even maybe but um it was pretty i was it definitely is a departure from your other stuff um there's some timing signatures in it too that i thought were interesting i, I don't know what kind of influences you guys pull from but it seems like they're all over the place i mean it's but it goes together really well uh, um i was going to ask what kind of who do you think is it what kind of influences do you pull from i mean what, what's what kind of genres do you guys i mean um we pull from all sorts of stuff we all grew up you know we're we're all in our mid thirties. We all grew up listening to, you know, the guitar God bands of the sixties and seventies. And, you know, um, and then we, we all, we also do still have very different tastes, you know, like I think bands that we can agree on would be like, you know, Hendrix, Zeppelin, Sabbath. It was huge. We love Sabbath. For sure. Um, you as can far hear as the that old timers, like yeah. rage against the machine is like on all three of ours. Like, you know, we love, we all love rage against the machine, That's fine. but then we all kind of start to go in different, different ways. Um, I, I know I, I like a lot of like sort of like the weird 70s prog big into kraut rock and things like that um, but I also love like you know industrial uh, you know um, what's the word I'm trying to think like stuff like Massive Attack and um, you know uh, the hell is the word the, the genre trip hop and like things like that so we definitely pull from all sorts of stuff and um, I don't know uh it's funny because actually I, I, I kind of haven't really listened to music for like over a year now because I've been when I when I'm in a big writing phase, I try not to listen to a lot of stuff because I feel like I end up I hear it. And then a week later, I'm like jamming and I'm all of a sudden playing a riff that I think is really cool. And it turns yeah. out it's from something I just listened to a week ago. <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny to talk about influence and stuff right now because like really like there's like one band I've listened to in like the past year that I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, um, but I haven't, I've, I've really like kind of tried to shut a bunch of stuff out. Right. You're like, damn it. I wrote Stairway to Heaven again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, oh, that riff is really cool. Yeah. It's YYZ, you know, like, you know. Right. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's pretty interesting that you kind of have to hunker down and, and, and just kind of put out everything when you're writing. I mean, is that something that you've come across organically helps you or is that something that you were told or taught at some point? 
it's something I figured out when I started stealing riffs on accident. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty simple. It was like, oh, you know, I was I'd be really excited. I come to the band with a riff, and they're like, yeah, that's this. And I'm like, shit, you know. But it's a no, but it's different. See, I like like the like the was it the vanilla ice thing? No, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's like but da da, but mine's like da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, having that argument, it's like okay, just stop. Right. When you're mimicking Vanilla Ice, you might want to just kind of take a step back. <laughs> but, you know, it worked for Vanilla Ice, and Queen doesn't seem to be too pissed off. But, no, I mean, I, at this point, I'm thinking, as a musician, it almost feels like, isn't every idea done at some point in time? Like, we got to be repeating here at some point. Oh, yeah. And I, I know, like, I'm not rewriting the wheel on anything, but I can at least, like, honestly say it's not because I intentionally... You know, like like I like someone's like, oh, that song's like this song. It's like I've never heard that song. Right, right. it's not plagiarism. That song. So I didn't do it on purpose. You know, I didn't. It's just like an accident. I'm sorry. You know, um, but yeah, that's, um, yeah. Well, tell our tell our listeners where they can learn more about this new album, where they can pick it up, where they should buy it, so you guys get the most kickback. I mean, all that stuff. Like, make sure you use this time to promote that new album because we love what you guys are doing. Um kingbuffalo.com for anyone in uh, the United States and I think Canada as well we, you know we do ship all over um, if any of your listeners are in Europe go to stickmanrecords.com um, they uh, and save a buttload on shipping as opposed to us trying to ship it across the freaking ocean um, it'll be available on iTunes Spotify all the streaming services on the 4th and um, yeah I think I think that's those are the best the best ways are from for physical media is going to be kingbuffalo.com and stickman records okay and uh, june 4th 2021 any particular time is it coming out 9 a.m coming out at noon what's the deal with that do you know i don't know okay well, get, get on your computers <laughs> early and often and see when it's coming out so we can support sean and what's the name of the album yeah uh the burden of restlessness now, Phil sent me something earlier this week where he had found an article that said you were releasing three albums in 2021, but that yeah. seems absurd. Is that, is that, not, is is that, that right? BS or what? Uh, it's not BS. Um, oh. It is true. What? We just finished. We just finished tracking record two uh, a few weeks ago. It's in the you know final mixing stages and stuff now, and wow. we're starting on record three here soon. The one caveat that's starting to be a bit scary is we're getting word from our pressing plant that there's delays due to high volumes and also supply issues with covid and uh things like that so we're getting nervous about being able to meet the release deadlines but we're just keeping moving and crossing our fingers and we're going to get what we need to get done on our end and hopefully that yeah uh, we can get you know stuff can actually physically get made what uh what drove the decision to release so much i mean is the burden of restlessness like kind of a commentary on the fact that you're gonna be doing so much work uh this year um i mean there's 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 definitely i think maybe something to that but basically when um again when after we did this quarantine session filming we had some time we were like well we're not going on tour yeah we just did dead star but who knows when we're ever going to be able to tour again um and again the numbers were pretty low in rochester at the time we had a really big practice space um that we were able to you know we put up plastic sheeting around the drum set me and dan were on opposite corners with masks and stuff and, and we just started we we're like well i guess we'll jam and see what we come up with and our 
our rehearsal studio is also our recording studio. So I record all of our jams, took them all home. Eventually, I, I piled them all together, and I was like, holy crap, we got like four or five hours of stuff here. Um, no more jamming. And I, <laughs> the guy's like, we're done jamming. Like, I can't sort, I can't sort through all this stuff. There's too much. Um, I started kind of whittling through stuff and then listening to all these different things. I was like, you know, there's things were kind of starting to naturally lump into certain categories. And I was like, I think we could do, initially I said, I think we can do four records. And Scott was like, settle down. That's a little, you know, like, uh, especially cause I do the bulk of the production and engineering work. Scott's like, settle down. Like, you know, what's going to happen. And so he's like, what if we do three? And I was like, yeah, in hindsight, it was a great idea to do three instead of four. Um, and uh, yeah, so we had all this material. I started cutting things up and moving things around, sticking pieces together, kind of grouping them. And then we kind of stumbled, felt like we had three unique sounding records. So they would, you know, we, what we didn't want to do is have three records that all sound the same because they were all kind of written in the same handful of sessions. Right. Um, so I do think they all sound significantly different stylistically, um, which is pretty exciting. That's awesome. crazy. Is that something that Impressive. really seriously? I mean, is that something? Is there a common theme lyrically between them? Is yeah, the, there's a bit of a story arc that flows through. That was ki- kind of came through after. Okay, you know, I, I don't. I wasn't writing lyrics in our jam sessions. Um, mostly just you know guitar and synth work and things like that and arrangement stuff. And then as it started to kind of I piece the instrumental arrangements around, I start to shape a narrative and. Um, once I kind of had all three, I was like, okay, I think I can, I can do something with this. Um, but I don't, th- it doesn't have to be listened to that way. It's not necessarily uh, a trilogy that you have to, you know, if you've missed the burden of restlessness, the second record's not going to make any sense. You know, it's not, it's not really that kind of thing. It's pretty loose, but there is a, a story arc and a theme that links all three, even though the, the stylistically they're all recorded in different ways and tonalities are all pretty different. Is the theme, I don't want to say oppressive, but like the lyrical content of Dead Star was seemingly oppressive. You had this kind of vibe that the people were being put upon by the domineering ruler or the obelisk. Because it's kind of imagery of oppression and suppression. It just found, it really fit with the tonality of the music and it had that Black Sabbath vibe. Whereas, is this somewhat the same in that kind of man against the world stuff or is it a little different? Um, well, each record is going to be focusing on a slightly different part of the story. So I would say the first record kind of picks up a little bit where Dead Star left off. Cool. But um, I don't want to give too much away. I want people to be able to kind of take it take it in for themselves before I start answering too many specifics about it. Cool, cool. No worries. Are you When you look at this now, are you kind of like proud that it's all coming together like this or are you still thinking god i got so much freaking work to do in the rest of this year <laughs> uh i'm freaking out um no but <laughs> i uh i am really i'm really uh particularly the burden of restlessness i i am in- incredibly proud of um i i can't wait for it to be out i uh i i personally think it's like our crowning achievement so far i, I don't know um it's the second record after it, I, I think, is really exciting. And we took so it the way we did it is, I don't know if it's ever been done before, um, at least not that I can think of in our genre. But maybe it has, and I'm just being stupid not to, you know, I don't, I don't want to try to sound too self-important. But 
it was a really intense wild experience making the second record um the third one i i'm it's in the early stages of pre-production but i'm still i'm very stoked on it where did the vibe just kind of the psychedelic slow tune down relaxed pace with this let me break into that by saying one of my favorite singers is uh, from the band 40 watt sun and the old doom band warning his name is patrick i'm forgetting his last name i think patrick, patrick walker is his name and he's an irish guy and he's just got this captivating voice and when he was interviewed about his music he said my musical style because it's varied widely over his career from heavy doom to now very light sounding almost like lounge rock type stuff he said my style of music that i love to play is where the music gives space for the words and I kind of get that vibe from your guys' style, like especially in Dead Star, you had just the words filled the space organically with the music. And I'm curious if this is like the style that all three of you guys have played historically, or did you have to kind of create this new conglomeration of all of your styles? Um, I, I think it's a little yes and no which is the worst way to answer a question um (laughs) that's okay i know for me uh i really i think of myself as like a guitar player and and sort of like a more composer arranger who happens to also sing rather than a singer so i don't i don't i don't ever really consider myself like bigger big singer chops there's never a point where i'm like yeah but you know this song has to i have to be able to belt out the chorus you know to like work up the crowd like that's never never crosses my mind i'm always like yeah but how's the guitar sound you know like how's the how's the how's the instrumental arrangement work and so the the vocals i always think of as just like a layer serving the greater purpose without ever um being the focal point Okay, um, so it's like another instrument in your tool bag, basically, the vocals are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I never really wanted wanted them to, like, take over. You know, I mean, my, my favorite, like, all-time Desert Island band is Pink Floyd. And and I don't know if anyone would say, like, you know, like, compare Roger Waters or David Gilmore to, like, you know, uh, Robert Plant. You know, it's right. not it's not, right. not even close. Like, they're, they're, they do a good job at doing what they do, but it's about the all of the parts at, at serving the whole which is how I've always kind of approached it. Um, partially because I just can't sing like that. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't control a room by like belting th- things out. I don't, I don't have that in me. Yeah. Well, you guys did a hell of a job on quarantine sessions, man. I mean, that was just so cool how you played straight through without any interruption and just, I mean, the, the way you guys kind of kept it all together and I'm sure you play live, so it's not as impressive to you, but to me watching it, I was like, God, these guys got their shit together. But, but well, all- it was wild. Cause go ahead. For all the Dead Star stuff, we had never we had never played it for anyone, you know. Like, and and honestly, outside of Red Star Part One, most of it we hadn't really rehearsed that much, you know. So like, we hadn't, uh, we never, we never played, we actually never played Red Star Part Two, Echo of a Waning Star, uh, Dead Star, or Ada Karine, like start to finish the actual song we never played them together before we rehearsed for those quarantine sessions like they were those were totally written piecemeal like in the studio uh so it was pretty wild like trying to do it like oh shit we got to learn how to play these now like if we're gonna you know which was exciting because you know we were gonna do it anyways because we were hoping to do it on tour but the quarantines with that the quarantine sessions being the first way people actually got to hear us play those songs was pretty interesting very cool. Well, hey, we got a slight interruption here. Hold on. 
You know what that sound is? It's time for the game that we like to play called How Similar Are You to Phil Collins? Are you ready for this game, Sean? You had no idea this was coming. Are you ready? Yeah, let's lay it on me. All right, here we go. You'll find a common theme here because of the name of your band. I want you to tell me which of these three is your favorite king, and we'll see if you are the same as Phil Collins. The three choices are King Cobra, King Diamond, or King Numa Pompolis, legendary second king of Rome. Cobra all the way, man. Cobra la 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 la. King Cobra. And Phil picked King Pompilius because he is a nerd. Okay, city. Your favorite city is either Boston, Los Angeles, or New York City. Ooh. Can I can I take a pass? No, I, I, all three cities are great. I, I tend to I like kind of like smaller cities more than uh, than mega cities. But unfortunately, to... Phil picked only one of those three, so you too have to pick one of those three. Which one of those three that you actually hate? Would you say is I don't? Your I least don't. Hated? I don't hate the. I don't hate those cities. Everyone listening, I don't. <laughs> hate From them. anyone uh, listening, you heard it here. Sean hates them all. But which one of these do you hate the least? Just easy, man. Go ahead, pick one. Um, probably New York. Oh yeah. Bing 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 bing. Yeah, I was, you know, I was raised a Yankees fan by my grandma, so I could never pick Boston. Well, Jeffrey American right. rotten fucking hell because we're Orioles fans, and he caught that home run over hey, the wall. Well, you know. uh Orioles used to be Rochester Red Wings uh, parent team. So that's right. You know, all those guys used to play in Rochester. All right. Well, oh, that's pretty neat. Right. Right now you are 50% Phil Collins. So uh, I'm pretty proud of you here. Okay. Uh, I got two more yeah. for you. Give me your favorite animal of these three animals, the blue whale, the blue jay, or the blue iguana. Ooh, I guess the whale. Whale's pretty darn cool. Holy yep. shit! You're two thirds Phil Collins right here. Yeah, man. Blue All whale's right. awesome. You got. I mean, what's not to love? Yeah, it's huge. And I yeah. and Phil gave me this intel like 14 seconds before this episode, after he had just woken up because he works night shift as a nurse. So this is incredible that he had this level of preparation. Okay, last one. Favorite Muppet. We got Fozzie, classic. We got Kermit, and we got Grover. Which one of those three is your favorite? Muppet. Out of those three, you gotta go Foz. Ah, uh, I want I want Kermit. Back to only fifty percent of Phil Collins. Not too bad though, buddy. Well, Phil, you know, I do what I can. I'm pretty yeah. proud I'm pretty proud of Phil actually having some decency in his choices there. Yeah. Because I know things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean I had no idea who that king was, so you're already doing I was like, I me. took it seriously and I was like, should I pick like King? Uh, like a fake king? I don't know. What should I do? What do I do here? Do I go Game of Thrones or do I go like real life? In, yeah. <laughs> in fairness to Phil, I told him nothing other than in a text. Tell me your favorite king, your favorite city, and your favorite animal. <laughs> so he, he, had... said, he said ASAP. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for playing. How similar are you to Phil Collins with us? You passed with flying colors. Awesome. Well. So tell cool. us a little bit more as, as we get into, you know, to the, to, winding down this interview because you've been so generous with your time and told us about your band and about your you know upcoming stuff tell me more about what you want the listeners to know about where they can follow you are you doing more tours is covid lightening up can people get on the plane and come see you can they support you in other ways like tell our people what they need to know about how they can support king buffalo well as of right now we are slated to hit the road in september which we are really stoked on very cool I think this is the longest any of us have gone without playing a show 
I, I, for me, it's it's almost 15 years. Wow. Um, I think it's probably close for the other guys too. So we're itching to get back out there um, and just hoping that the numbers can keep trending in a way that it makes it uh, safe and possible to do that. Um, so yeah, look for us. We'll, I think we have some more tour announcement stuff coming up here pretty soon. And is that um, going to be all Northeast? Is that going to be all in New York area? I mean, is that going to, where's it going to be generally? The first tour, I believe is actually out West. Um, okay. I think we're actually flying out West. Uh, and then I think, and where can people be- go, Sean, to make sure that if this stuff changes, they can follow you. Is Facebook best? Is Bandcamp best? Is KingBuffalo.com best? KingBuffalo.com. It'll all be on the, on the Facebook and all that stuff too. But KingBuffalo.com is, is the easier to navigate. It's, you know, old school www baby got it and it's updated oh, God, so that's I can't the best i said that <laughs> <laughs> you sound so hip and cool to our 17 year old tiktok yeah, listeners. yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> made sense to me but yeah you know. <laughs> yeah you and king pompilius so that's right kingbuffalo.com is the best place looking like september gonna be out west are you touring with anybody you're excited about is it a headlining tour what's the kind of vibe you're feeling that's just gonna i think we're linking up with local bands uh for for that one there might be a couple dates where we have the same band coming with us i honestly don't know because i have a memory of a goldfish um (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know i don't like i said i think there's going to be some announcements coming up soon i don't want to spill the beans prematurely because i know people get people get squirrely about stuff so sure that's all i can say but kingbuffalo.com is the place for their information to be fed and then do you have a mailing list that they can sign up for there, or should they follow you on Facebook or Instagram? Which is the preferred, so that way they can send you their information and you guys can keep them up to date through an email blast or something? We do have an email blast. I think you can sign up for it right at the website, um, or you might... Honestly, honestly, I don't know. Uh, but we are on a Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, and we do post updates quite a bit on all that stuff. Well, I got to tell you, I love the fact that you don't know because as a business owner myself, you got to delegate some of that stuff around, man. You're the brains. You're the one who's doing the writing and the composition. You got your freaking plate full. Let somebody else handle that shit. So I'm proud of you for that. I mean, I would self-edit way too much. Like, I don't know if anything would get posted. I'd, I'd be like freaking out about like, should I put that comma there? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what do you guys think? You know, like, how do you feel about the comma? Oxford comma? Yes, no. You know, <laughs> is like, my participle dangling media. out here? Because I'm really worried about that. Yeah, I, 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 you know, so Scott, our drummer, handles all the social media stuff, and yeah, so I, I can't, I just can't do it. Not, not wired that way. Very cool. Well, we tend to ask. I know you said you've already kind of been shut out from other musical influences, but we tend to ask our guests. You know, if your audience was a 17 or 18 year old kid who really didn't know much about kind of music yet, they're just getting into it. They're just kind of feeling their feet what are the two albums you would tell them to go listen to but this is critically important released post 2000 so it's got to be after so- 2000 yeah it's got to be something somewhat newer because that's what we focus on everybody knows the classics that's that usually has spread generationally but i'm talking something newer that would be under the radar I, i've given phil one way back at the beginning this album metazoa by a band cormorant from California that most people don't know about, but I think is like completely mind blowing. That would be one of my two, for example, but it put me on the spot. You got two in your wheelhouse. I'm kind of filibustering here for you. So buy you some time. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know if I'd have anything that'd be like under the radar that, that a lot of your listeners might not already know, but I know like as far as albums that really like had a huge impact on me post 2000, that kind of ended up leading me to what I'm doing now with King Buffalo 
was Dead Meadows first record. Um, I think it's just self-titled. That album blew my mind at the time when it came out, and um, you know, kind of showed me that people, wait, people still make music like this, and it sounds awesome. You know, because I was like in, uh, into Black Sabbath and stuff, and kind of veered away because there wasn't a lot of stuff getting made. And then I heard that, and I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. And I was like, oh wait, I can. I feel like like people do this. There's a scene for this. I can be a part of this, and like it was great. Um, While you're thinking of the second one, Phil, have you ever heard of Dead Meadows? I haven't. Nah, no, maybe Dead Meadow Ring, rings a bell. Dead Meadow, yeah. yeah. E- even even so this is another example. We Phil and I talk about all the time. It's just amazing that we've been listening to music basically nonstop since we were fucking 13 years old, and we're still daily coming across new albums and bands we've never heard of, and it's crazy. Yeah, I'm yeah. kind of excited to check that out because, you know, just because I never heard it. And if you're a big, big fan of it, I'm really curious, you know, about what they're what they're about. So I'm going to check them yeah, out. Yeah, that, that record had a huge impact on me when it, I think it was like 2006 uh, okay. when it came out. Um, and, and then I and then I don't know if this is cheating because they're they're buds and uh, a lot of people might already be. De- I'm going to say two more records Go and it's it. going to be uh, an extra. All them witches. I don't know. If, I'm a, I don't know I've if you guys are fans. I've of heard them. Witches. They're pretty good. Yeah, um, I like them. And I don't know if I if I could pick just one of their records, but the one they're that's kind of like I think their their first sort of claim to fame and kind of got them really really moving was uh, uh, was it Our Mother Electricity? It's their second record. Um, yeah, it's got like the bangers on it. Like I don't know. You people call for certain songs on that record every show, no matter what. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And so that's a great one. And then Elder, again, more friends of ours. So I don't know if I'm just cheating by naming friends. Um, Elder, uh, Lore, probably. Lore or Reflections of a Floating World, either one of those records. Um, more on the prog side, but those guys are insane. All right, I'm looking them up, them up right now. Yeah, that's cool. I, I didn't never heard of Elder. I've heard of some of all of them witches, and they do, the, they do have a really cool sound. Yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. I'm trying to think because there's always uh, you were putting me on the spot and i know there's things that yeah. like i want to say that i can't think of at the moment you're gonna that, think of something later and be like I, as soon as I, as soon as we get off this call and be like how did i not remember to like <laughs> list these other these other records we'll have a follow-up episode that's just like 90 seconds of me saying sean told me to tell everyone blank yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> addendum exactly yeah. exactly right yeah. Well, Sean, I, I know I could keep talking to you all day just because I'm fascinated by musicians and artists in the musical space, and I love what you guys are doing with King Buffalo, and uh, you know I appreciate you giving this time to us, but I know you got stuff to do, and I know you're busy, and you guys are putting out three fucking albums in one year, so I know every minute is valuable here. So is there anything you want to do or say as a send-off to our listeners, or, or should they just go to kingbuffalo.com, get your new stuff, keep in touch, get on your mailing list, and, and support the band? Do all of those things. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be having announcements coming out. Um, like I said, we're still coordinating with pressing plants and doing the finishing touches on the second record and trying to figure out. So we'll have stuff to announce um, as soon as we have solid information to announce them. We're pretty pretty good about that sort of thing. So um, keep an ear and out, ear out for. Uh, when we're actually going to be releasing these records, if you're going to be, go to kingbuffalo.com, check the tour dates. If we're going to be in your city, come say hi to us. Um, you know, have a beer with us. And uh, we hope, we, we're, I mean, I really, really itching to get back on the road. Um, so everyone stay smart, stay safe, and uh, hopefully we can get get this train moving again. Very cool. Well, you heard it from Sean himself. 
the composer, vocalist, guitarist of the three-piece act, King Buffalo, Psychedelic Rock. We've been playing it underneath this entire interview. Go support him. Great act. Kick-ass, man. Thanks so much for your time, and best of luck to you and the boys. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. Nice meeting you. You too, man.